listening to the Apollo Podcast Network. One of these bullets is like us. Traveling forwards through time. The other one's going backwards. Can you tell which is which? How about now? Uh, welcome to the One Take Podcast. I am not Royden. Um, this is our mini episode three, or maybe episode 37 and a half. I don't know actually how we've been labeling these, even though I'm the guy that labels them. Um, it's Tenet, but so it's episode 73. There you go. It's, we are viewing these episodes backwards, so thank you for joining us on episode 50. Um, yeah, this mini episode, it's uh, Dex and I. How's it going, Dex? We're good, man. We're chilling. Been busy at work, but, you know, I'm feeling accomplished. I'm feeling good. Nice. We fantasy drafted yesterday. It was hectic as hell. Utter chaos, man. <laughs> <laughs> I've never had to draft that many. We had, like, what, 15 rounds? Yeah, 15 rounds. We had an extended bench. That thing went on forever. 15 rounds, 12 teams, like... I. Utter chaos. At the end, we were, everybody was just like, fuck it. Like, yeah, that was, that was easily like before. an hour. Yeah, it was easily an hour, 45-minute draft. I picked up Josh Gordon just because I, I needed a name in the final that I knew about, even though I'm pretty sure he's not playing this season. Um, But, yeah, same. I'm good. Got a new car this weekend. Shout out to my father-in-law, Toby, for hooking me up. You're a great man. Thank you. I know you're listening. Um... But yeah, just chilling, hanging out. It's about to start storming here. I think like tomorrow, high of 73, which is unheard of in Texas in September. Yeah, so. y'all got a cold front. Lucky y'all. Cold front. It's going to be awesome. Um, so as you saw in the title and as we kind of talked about a little bit earlier, this mini episode, we're talking about Tenet. Both Dex and I saw it uh, opening weekend. Um, before we go into our little reviews, I wanted to ask you, was this movie worth it going to the theaters? In the pandemic. Yes, and I went twice. <laughs> you went twice. All right. Yeah, I went and saw this movie twice. I've actually been to the theaters three times now. But, um, yeah, man, I can't speak for every theater in America. I keep saying this every time people ask me this. I can't speak for every theater in America. But my theater, it's an AMC out here in Katy. Um, I felt extremely safe. Um, the seats are all, are all really spaced out. Um, not a lot of people going to the movies regardless. Um, but even in like the opening night of Tenet, like every couple of seats are blocked off. So you can't reserve them even if you wanted to. Uh, so there's space between you and people. Everybody's wearing a mask in the lobby, uh, which is good in the theater. I mean, it's dark. Can't tell if people have their mask on or not. I assume <laughs> they don't, but you know, just kept looking straight ahead and ignored like what was happening yeah. to my left or right. But, uh, yeah, I felt completely safe, um, and I definitely think this movie was worth it because I, I fucking love this movie. <laughs> so the reason I asked is the numbers came out today for opening weekend, and it grossed in U.S. $20 million, um, which is kind of a tepid response if we were kind of comparing this to what a natural or natural, like a, a normal uh, opening weekend would be in comparison uh Christopher Nolan's last release before this, Dunkirk, made $50 million on opening weekend. But again, it's hard to compare because nothing's coming out. Um, Warner Brothers is trying to claim that this is going to be a success. 
it has made 135 million overseas. So clearly they'll probably break even here in the next week or so, but not the big success that Warner Brothers was hoping for in, in terms of like this is going to kind of bring back theaters and maybe bring in um, the larger resp- or larger openings like the new Bond film or I don't know what else is supposed to come out. New Mutants did come out like last week. Um, Wonder Woman 1984 yeah, was, was like, is supposed to be in October, but because of these tepid numbers, we may actually see a regression. We may see some of those bigger releases pushed to 2021. Um, yeah, if uh, if Mulan does well, like charging thirty dollars to Disney oh, Plus sure. subscribers, then yeah, theaters are in trouble. Oh yeah, for sure. Every company will start doing that if Mulan can pull it off. Uh, we have some friends, some mutual friends that were talking about it and how the thirty dollars kind of seems worth it to them. And I know a couple of people that have already jumped in on that. So. It seems to be successful. I think Disney's going to make that $30 plus, you know, the subscription. Now, granted, you get to keep the movie forever, so it's basically like you just bought it straight from the theaters. But that might be the subscription model we see. Um, I think the next kind of tentpole that everybody's waiting on is Wonder Woman. See if they're going to still open October. Uh, If they don't, I think we're kind of seeing the closing of theaters until next year. Um, But anyway, Tenet. We're going to go into spoilers a little bit later, but just opening it up, kind of initial thoughts. How do you feel? Like I said, I, I love that movie, man. Like it's, <laughs> I was just telling somebody about this like a couple of minutes ago. It's one of those movies where like people who think they're really smart might think they're too smart for this movie and that it doesn't like make enough sense and like it's stupid or whatever. But me and my dumb like movie boy brain, I'm just like, Fuck yeah, they were in there fighting backwards and shit. That was dope. Like, Christopher Nolan, he, like, pulls off spectacle really well. Um, and, like, action and stuff he pulls off really well. And, like, there's enough... This movie is all plot. It's, there's, like, no character development whatsoever. But, like, I didn't need character development. Like, the plot was entertaining <laughs> enough for me. Like, I just I just really like this movie, man. Like, I, I give it an A. It's not an A+, but I give it an A. You give it an A. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna join you on that. I, I definitely do give this an A. Um, I love me some Christopher Nolan, and I don't think anybody is surprised by that. Um, and I agree. Like I I love Christopher Nolan films just because when I sit down and watch them for two hours, I think I'm an intelligent person because I think I understand it. But that never happens. And this is kind of the first time I've seen a Christopher Nolan film where at the very end I didn't. I didn't know what was going on. I, I left so confused. Um, and we'll get more into that a little bit later in, when we get more into the kind of spoilery discussion. But that being said, this is a, a like a fun ride. Um, like it, it goes by fast. I'm trying to look. It's two hours and 30 minutes. Does not feel like that. So much happens. It definitely from, doesn't feel that long. Yeah. So much happens from start to finish. So I saw this at the drive-in. That was kind of like the safest option that I can go with. And sat outside in the heat and for two and a half hours, and it didn't feel like that. Like, that didn't bother me. There's so much that happens in this film, and there's so much that you need to retain as an audience member that, like, you never leave the action. You never leave the screen. 
you just like are constantly consuming something, whether it's like a cool action sequence and then fighting backwards, or there's like a piece of dialogue that you like you need to know to understand it. Like this is a movie that for two and a half hours, you go in there and you are entertained and you leave. Like it is worth every penny you pay for. I don't know if it's worth maybe, you know, risking getting sick over. That's kind of up to you, but definitely this was worth it to me, at, at least, you know, to see it, to be a part of the opening weekend on this. I will say seeing definitely. it at a drive-in was kind of a mistake. Uh, one of the criticisms of Smoop is this movie is getting is that its sound design is pretty intense and that some of the dialogue gets a little lost. My car speakers do not match up to a Dolby sound system, so I missed way more than more, most people are missing. <laughs> that being said, yeah. I still enjoyed it. I was going to ask you like what the sound situation was like seeing you at a drive-in, because I saw it in a Dolby, like, AMC Dolby cinema thing. And, yeah, there was parts of it where you just, like, could not hear clearly yeah. what was being said. Um, like, the music and, like, all the... Like, the sounds and whatnot were still there, but, like, the dialogue would just get entirely lost sometimes. Uh, not enough where it was, like, impossible to follow the movie, but, like, enough to the point where I was, like, I would really appreciate some subtitles right now in this movie. <laughs> yeah, movie definitely. For the first time in my life. Um, but, yeah, uh, that is pretty much my only criticism of the movie is that the sound design was weird. Um... Yeah, so basically how our drive-in worked is that, like, you get in your little parking spot, and then you turn into a specific radio station, and that radio station will play the sound of the movie, so, you know, it's streaming through my car's speakers, and it works. Like, I mean, I don't have a shitty car, and, like, my speakers are fine, but it obviously does not compare to a theater, so there were tons of things that I, I know I miss, like, giant chunks of dialogue that, like, I could hear, but probably did not hear clearly or understood um, in the moment. All the action came through fine. Like, I heard explosions like they were right next to me, so that worked out fine. But, yeah, there were definitely chunks of dialogue that I for sure missed. Um, so, I, that yeah, I, I do agree with that criticism. Um, and I think a lot of critics are also claiming that. It's just that there's not a lot of dialogue and when there is dialogue it's very important and for some reason whether it was intentional or not the mixing is not strong on this one it's much more heavily geared towards the sound effects and the music whereas the dialogue gets a little lost and muddled and maybe that's on purpose i can't can't claim to know what christopher nolan was trying to do but it is a strong criticism the other other yeah. criticism i have is this damn pandemic so I saw Inception like four times in a row in theaters because I, I needed to understand. I needed to experience it. I uh, can't do that right now. I cannot turn around and go back in the theater. Well, I mean, I guess I could, but it's much harder it, to... It's smart not to. Yeah. It's... Uh, this is definitely a movie that like you need to watch multiple times because I think once you get to the end and you kind of understand what's really happening, then you can go back and rewatch it and maybe catch up more on details that you missed or maybe didn't understand or just little hidden things. You don't really get that experience right now. And that's of no fault of the movie. That's no fault of Warner Brothers. But this is definitely a multiple viewing movie, and it's going to be hard to accomplish that right now. I'm really excited to see what happens when this movie is available like on demand or on mm -hmm. streaming or however it ends up coming out at home and people are watching it at home and just 
more of that collective experience happens where people are like, yo, what the fuck? (laughs) (laughs) And then, like, obviously, like, a lot of people, like, whenever they watch movies at home, they always have subtitles on regardless of, you know, the sound design or whatever. So it'll be interesting to see how that works out, too. But how did you feel about the acting in this movie? Like I mentioned, it's pretty much all plot, but... I thought the performances were still really good, even though there's not a whole lot of, like, character, like, journey happening. Uh, I thought it was good. I'm actually not very familiar with uh, John David Washington, not fully familiar with his work outside of um, Black Klansman. And I thought it was fantastic. The guy is kind of a chameleon on the screen. Um, In a non-spoiler way, we can say his name is Protagonist, which I think is a really interesting uh, choice to not ever give him a name. Um, and we can get into that a little bit later. Um, but he's a CIA agent and he's a spy. Like this is a spy thriller film and he's, he's a chameleon. Like any scene or situation that he's in as like we expect a spy to be, he changes his personality. And that's really tough for an actor to do is to be multiple people at the same time. And he nails that. Um, flip side, Robert Pattinson is Neil. Amazing. I, yeah hope and pray for the rest of my life that man has highlights because he's the only person that could pull it off and looks fantastic while doing it. Everybody else, I, I don't know if I can fully comment on. on um, oh, what's her name? Becky. I forgot what her first name is. She's great. Uh, I had a hard time understanding what her role was in the film. Um, she's not so much a love interest. She's just kind of there. Elizabeth DeBecky, but she's good. Um, and as is um, uh, Kenneth Branagh as our protagonist. Um, but I thought, you know, through and through, all the performances were great, as is like in every Christopher Nolan film, like everybody hit a mark pretty strong. Yeah, I, I totally agree, um, especially about Robert Pattinson. This movie really sold me on him as Batman. I was like, okay, I'm yeah. in for this guy helming, like, an adult, like, fi- serious film franchise because, like, I had only really seen him in Twilight. I know he's done in Lighthouse. I know he's done a lot of <laughs> other, like, serious, like, adult, like, grown-up shit that's not Twilight and, like, you know, shit that's not as weird as Lighthouse, but this movie, I was like, okay, yeah, I can see it. him, like, being an action hero, like, and like just really selling the, the cool factor and just being dope on screen and he like fucking killed it and john david washington i tweeted this out after i saw the movie i don't know what kind of range he has i don't know like what kind of other roles he can do but in this like straight man very cool guy kind of role that he did in this mm-hmm. and black landsman he fucking killed it like he was phenomenal and i loved every second that he was on screen like oh yeah whether he was just Throwing back, back a like pithy remark at somebody, or like in a fight scene, <laughs> or whatever it was he was doing, he just looked cool as shit doing it. And you know, we need more movie stars like that. We're we're kind of running out of them. Like they're all like the same, like seven people that we see be like cool, like yeah, movie stars who just do all do kind of the same thing. Um, so if we can add another one, John David Washington, I am on board. Oh, for sure. Um, I think a lot of the comparisons that he's getting right now, just because this is a spy thriller, is that, you know, he may, a little down the line, fill in the Bond shoes. 
Um, and I think he could definitely do that. Um, definitely is a chameleon actor and I think is going to be a huge star for years to come. Like this guy is for sure going to win an Oscar and something. I don't know if it's going to be this film. Um, granted, I don't know if this film has any competition, if we still have awards coming up. So he may actually get it for this film. Um, yeah, somebody's got to win the Oscar. Yeah, somebody's got to win this. And it, it might go to him for best leading man. Like, what else is he going against? Um, yeah, I, I agree on Robert Pattinson there. Like, I I was a little hesitant on Pattinson. Um, really just because... I, I Like, anybody can kind of be an action star. Like, if you get buff enough and you learn fight choreography and like we put a mask over you like i I obviously it's much more complex than that but i think anybody can kind of be an action star without really trying but like to play the bruce wayne character and being more suave and sophisticated i thought might be hard for him but that's all he was in this film like he's a cia agent and he's suave like the first time you meet him he comes off as like a guy you're like i desperately need to sleep with you you are that smooth right now (laughs) He, like, orders for John David Washington's character and, like, in such a cool way, even though it's a Diet Coke. It's just, like, everything you do on screen, I absolutely love. And I loved how he, like, his character always knows more than he lets on in the film. Mm -hmm. And I love how Pattinson played that. Like, it just always came off as cool instead of being annoying. Like, and it really drove the story. And I thought, like, he... This performance definitely sold me on him as an actor, mm-hmm. and I'm really excited for the Batman, you know, if they get to finish it, because apparently he has COVID. He'll up. Yeah. Uh, get better, Mr. Pattinson. You have, like, 75% of a Batman film to finish that this great country needs, even though I think, you know, best case scenario, we might get in 2022, but still. Um, I mean... Whenever it comes out, I'm going. Like, yeah. <laughs> have we had too oh, many Batman sure. movies? Yes. Yeah. But like, I'm still I'm still gonna go watch one. Like, it's, it's uh, Batman. Apparently, we're getting Ben Affleck to come back as Batman. So move faster, Pattinson, because I I really need that taste out of my mouth. <laughs> what is DC doing, and why? <laughs> Man, I don't know. I'm I'm not qualified to speak on the DC universe, but. It's there. I think they're like trying to bank their whole franchise at this point off of you know Pat uh, Pattison or Battison or what do you want to call him and the success Batman. of the Wonder Woman franchise. Yeah, that too. <laughs> I think those are kind of like the two big films, and then kind of just hoping that the DC TV universe pans out. But who knows? Subscribe to HBO Max for the Snyder Cut. You know. <laughs> yeah. Subscribe to that for that. Uh, I will not be watching it, but uh, I'm sure many will. Um, yeah. uh, is there anything else non-spoilery that you want to get into a little bit for our listeners? Uh, nah, it's, I think it's so I hard talking like, about this film without like dropping spoilers. So The movie is... If you like The Prestige and like kind of how that movie is set up, then mm-hmm. I think you'll also like this movie. Um, and stream our Prestige episode. Yeah. Um, definitely yeah, definitely stream our Prestige episode. Uh, yeah. The, I think the initial kind of idea 
going into this film from the fans is that this might be like a spiritual successor or even a direct um, sequel or prequel to Inception. It's much closer to Memento. Um, this is very much in the Nolan uh, wheelhouse. You walk in and you're going to feel like you understand it and then you're going to leave and you're going to be more confused and then you're going to want to go back. So uh, from Dex and I, this is a strong A film. If you are willing to risk it, definitely go see it. Or if you have some sort of option like a drive-in, be prepared to miss a lot of dialogue, but still go see it. Um, help Warner Brothers break even on this film as they are clearly struggling. That very large multi-billion dollar company. Um, yeah, help the poor billionaires. Yeah. Help Warner Brothers. They're struggling out here. Um. All right. So... That being said, everything after this is officially spoilers, so if you don't want to listen, if you'd rather see the movie first, this would be a good stopping point. Um, Otherwise else, it's spoiler time. (laughs) Alright, spoiler time. What the fuck is happening in this movie? Bro, (laughs) (laughs) my... They got to that middle... Like, I don't know if it's the middle or not. I lost all track of time in this film. But, like, as soon as it's revealed that, like, he was the one that he was fighting in that hallway, I was, my my jaw literally dropped. I was like, how did I not see this coming? This is dope as hell. I am so here for this fucking movie. (laughs) Yeah, like, once you get to that, that whole uh, explanation of, like, the turnstiles and kind of how it's not time traveling we're just kind of reversing backwards i think the best explanation i've heard thus far is like time in this movie works like if you were to watch a movie forwards and then you were to watch it backwards nothing changes you just get to see everything go from where it ended to where it begins and that's kind of the major sort of action of of this film is that somehow in the future uh, a scientist who gets constantly compared to Robert Oppenheimer of the Manhattan Project uh, somehow de- invented a device that reverse entropies everything, including the Earth, uh, with the intent, I think, to stop global warming or reverse global warming, but apparently decided that that was too dangerous of technology, broke it up, and then sent it backwards in time using its own technology. That is a confusing but amazing like plotline in itself. And I'm still grappling like, with it. <laughs> and that's not even like the most like confusing part of the No. Movie. <laughs> like, like that concept, you could teach an entire like college course on like that idea alone and like the implications of it. Oh, for and sure. And that's like like 30% of the movie. <laughs> Yeah, no, that's, like, a tiny... Like, how this device that reverses, like, essentially the aging cycle of of things is almost a background character. Like, it's like, this technology exists. Don't worry about how it got made. Bad guys are using it. Let's save the world. It's like, no, give me a whole movie on that a little bit because that's such a cool concept and only something that the Nolan brothers would ever consider. Um, Yeah, I love that, like, you know, kind of... It reminded me of Endgame, how they talked about, like, oh, yeah, 
fuck like what you think you know about time travel. Like, we'll just do our own yeah. thing with time travel. Like, what you've seen in movies for forever, who cares? Time travel isn't real. We'll just make our own fucking rules. They <laughs> 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 did. And, like, yeah. they explained just enough of them to, like, keep you interested. But you still, like, don't really know what's going on. And I really like I like how they pulled that off. Because, like, some, I say this all the time, I feel like. Sometimes when things are ambiguous, it's just for the sake of being ambiguous. And, like, you don't really care what the answer is. Mm-hmm. But, like, every, like, ambiguous thing in Tenet, you're like, I really want to fucking know, like, how that works. Very much so. Um, yeah, there's a lot of exposition. Like, almost all the dialogue is pure exposition to explain what's going on but nolan is basically like a doctoral student trying to explain something to you by using the biggest words that he possibly can like a big word that gets you thrown around is entropy and while that is pretty common word like it's not something that we use in our everyday conversation so you spend like 20 minutes being like what does entropy mean why are we saying it every third word here um but yeah like we get our first bit of exposition from uh, Clemency Posey? Posey? Uh, from us, whom you would know from Fleur de Leclore in the Harry Potter series. I know, read another book, but she was the actress there. <laughs> um, she basically explains how these objects are time traveling. And it's very weird because she explains it to John David Washington, who immediately accepts this. Like, oh, these objects can reverse backwards through time? That's weird, but all right, that's cool. Just immediately accepts his premise. And almost everybody in this film, like once they get explained or brought into this universe in which things move backwards, immediately accept it. Like if somebody came to me and was like, hey, we can reverse time on objects and basically make them younger or reverse back to their original state, I like my whole life would change. I would need like years to understand what's happening. And immediately everybody's like, yeah, this makes sense. I'm cool with that. See, but, like, the thing that makes it even crazier is that before explaining to him time travel, they're like, yeah, we know you killed yourself, but now you're alive. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And now you work for us. Yeah, so that's kind of the first thing I want to talk about, I guess, a little bit. Obviously, this movie is garnering a lot of theories because, again, it's almost impossible to or not almost impossible but it's it's not fully safe to go back and rewatch multiple times so a lot of people are just going online and wilding out on theories and one of the first theories is that uh it was he didn't take the suicide pill or the cyanide capsule and maybe just put him to sleep or he took it and somehow like um inverts him he gets his teeth back and that's everything so what 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 is your takeaway? Did he kill himself, or is that sort of like just like fake pill? Uh, you know, maybe he like, <laughs> future him came back and was like, "No, don't take the fucking pill." Like I don't know. Yeah, but how would there be a future him if he had taken the pill in any timeline? I don't know. I <laughs> yeah, there's so it's much that the- happens in this movie that you kind of just had to accept as fact or just kind of go with, even though it leaves so many questions. But the second you sit down to ask those questions, like you're, you're going down a rabbit hole. I've not stopped thinking about this movie since I saw it on Friday and it's now Tuesday. Yeah. It's one of those things where it's like, if you don't enjoy it, you can call that a plot hole. But if you enjoy it, Mm -hmm. it's just like 
interesting to think about or like just some cool shit. But I can definitely see how like people who just for whatever reason didn't like this movie would just be like, yeah, fuck it. There's too many plot holes. Yeah. Um, Cause like, I have no idea like how that works. Like bringing him back to life. I mean, if they can invent time travel, then I mean, I guess they can like resurrect people, but I, I don't know. It's very, so this, um, this technology, this, this sort of reverse entropy is very like Dr. Strange in the Dr. Strange movie when he gets, when he first gets the, uh, the time stone and he like undoes the apple being eaten. And then he like, he goes forwards to it, like being a rotten core. Like that's kind of the technology here. And it, it's really good at, you know, there, there probably are a lot of plot holes or maybe there aren't, but that sort of idea that you can kind of go backwards in a lifespan or, or you can't, I don't know if you can go forwards. I don't think you can. I think you just experience in normal time, but that covers up a lot of the plot holes or at least a lot of the confusion. Cause you can easily wipe it away with like, Oh, well we just inverted time and fixed it. And now we're backwards or now we're going forwards again. Yeah. It, everything that happened, <laughs> you just kind of like, it just kind of washes over you and you're just like, fuck yeah. And then you get to the middle where like it's more and more of it's revealed and you're just like, Oh fuck. Oh, yeah. I yeah. am on board. So, moving on a little bit, uh, I kind of uh, foreshadowed this a little bit before when I was giving my, kind of my non-spoiler review. Elizabeth Debicki as Kat. I don't think she really added much to this film. Like, she was nah, cool. and it's, She didn't. <laughs> it's cool, and obviously she's this beautiful Australian actress, so... Evens it out. Also, point of note, I think there's only like three women in this film. Granted, there's only like 12 people in this film, but still worth note. Um, yeah, she is very one note. She only can have the dialogue of, I just want my son back and fuck my husband, which, you know, he is kind of a dickhead and an arms dealer and Russian. So, you know, fuck you, Kenneth Branagh, in this movie. But. Elizabeth Tobecki, for the most part, doesn't seem to add too much. Um, she kind of just gets tossed around as a hostage most of the time and is only used a little bit as a plot device to explain the sort of tenet reverse entropy technology because she gets shot, but somehow by inverting her isn't shot anymore. But otherwise else, like she kind of just exists to talk only about her son and maybe be a love interest for John David Washington. Yeah, a kind of, sort of, love interest. Uh, I guess you could say, like, it's definitely a love interest kind of thing. Like, they're yeah. both clearly interested, but, like, they don't go beyond that, really. Um, she, I think the only point, like, the only point that you, like, kind of, sort of needed her was, uh, like you said, when she got shot, they had to go back in time to, like, save her. And I guess that kind of pushes the plot forward, like, but... Mm-hmm. Other than that, yeah, she kind of pissed me off at one point, too, <laughs> because, like, as she's, like, in this cargo container, like, getting shit back to wherever the fuck they were going, and they're, like, kind of explaining the situation with the villain and how, like, him, like, killing himself or whatever will end the world, because he has, like, all three parts of the algorithm or whatever, and she goes, he'll destroy the world including my son. It's like, yo, yeah. 
It's yeah. the whole world. <laughs> your son is part of that, man. <laughs> we, we don't care about just your son. Look, it's the whole yeah. goddamn world. Yeah, that was... In a movie with such little dialogue, and it's so weird for... Because we know Christopher Nolan as, like, a guy who pours over his scripts and, like, every word has meaning and weight to it. But, yeah, that line was very weird for her to be like, including my son? Like, yeah, man, it's the whole world. He's part of that. Like, Duh. The, the, whole, the entire thing is dying, not just your kid. Like, we, I, like I'm <laughs> Yeah, sure everybody on is Earth great, is going to die like, except for him. Like, we don't, we don't. That's not the main focus right now. It's your kid. Yeah. It's the whole world. Yeah, she seems only deeply concerned with her kid, which I guess, you know, makes sense. I don't have children, so I don't have that fatherly instinct to only protect this one person. But you got to imagine learning that your husband basically is the greatest supervillain ever and, and is going to destroy the world because he has cancer and is just pissed off about that. Like, you would kind of hope she would focus a little more there, but no. No, just just the son. She has a son, and that's all you need to know about <laughs> that's her. That's all you need to know about her. Um, yeah, you brought How it did up. How you feel about the... Oh, go ahead. No, I was, <laughs> was going to say, just kind of passing, I love that the fate of the world is entirely dependent on a Fitbit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, <laughs> Kenneth Branagh's character as uh, um, Seder for some reason has built in a dead man switch that if he were to die, his Fitbit would record it, which all right. And if that happens, then the GPS location of the algorithm gets released and thus we'll start the, you know, end of the world. Wild that that's his only backup. Like if the man, if like the battery on the Fitbit dies, the world ends. Yeah, like I, I <laughs> if he forgets to charge it one day, like it, just, it just seemed like such a stupid plot device for an otherwise. It like, does. Really cool movie. <laughs> like, he has they, he has a fitness tracker, and you can see it. But like you know, if it stops working for whatever reason, the world blows up. Like okay, cool, whatever. <laughs> like that's that's your only thing. The battery dies. Like if it's not waterproof, you you take it to the shower accidentally, the world ends. You gotta have a better have, plot than, than that. You have an That's, arrhythmia, and then yeah, like <laughs> the world. Ends. It forgets to record your workout and doesn't record your heartbeat into the world. Um, but yeah, I was gonna ask like generally like how you felt about the villain because I thought like as good as the movie was, the villain was kind of lame. Like no, yeah, 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 co- yeah. There was some cool like intimidation and stuff like when he was selling John David Washington like. I'm gonna make you choke on your own balls. I was like, damn. Like Yeah. <laughs> but like other than that, it's like you're you're not that exciting. You're cool and your plot's kinda weird. Um yeah, so I I agree. He he felt weak and his motivations were pretty weak. His backstory was cool. I'll I'll give him that, that the backstory is that for some reason he was chosen by the future and the future gave him the first part of the algorithm and a shit ton of gold bars and instructions on how to find the other stuff because of a nuclear explosion in Siberia where he was living as a kid. Like, that whole concept is cool, and it does set up a lot of the story and and kind of where everything else is. But as, like, a villain, he was kind of weak. Like, he didn't have a whole lot of motivations other than 
he has cancer and he's ready to end the world because he has cancer and knows he's going to die from it. That's kind of his yeah. only like he's he's going to choose to commit suicide, thus triggering the Fitbit, thus triggering the end of the world. Like that was there's no motivation there other than like I think Elizabeth Debicki has a passing line that if he can't have it, nobody can. That's not strong character motivation. Like that's not really great development or any reason for me to be like, oh, this guy's pure evil. It's I don't want to say it's lazy writing, but it feels kind of lazy to me. Yeah, it feels lazy and just kind of uninteresting for parts of it. Mm -hmm. Like there was some like tense scenes because, you know, it's like he's about to beat the shit out of Elizabeth Debicki or whatever. Um, Or at least like feels that way. And it's, like, kind of tense just because, like, nobody really wants to see that shit, even though you don't, like, care that much about Kat's character. Um, Mm -hmm. But, yeah, beyond, like, that that scene on the yacht or, um, you know, a couple of scenes where he's threatening John David Washington, like, it just doesn't – he didn't land for me as a villain. Um, I think he's definitely the weakest part of the movie, like, Mm -hmm. just generally. But the plot doesn't – his – evil villain plot is like okay whatever like i i don't i don't believe you but i'll roll with it for the rest of this yeah um i think i think that is definitely where the 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 film sort of suffers is there's apparently some sort of future maybe like shadow government or you know just general terrorist who knows that's helping him get the pieces of the algorithm together so he can and the world, but maybe they're, it's kind of hinted that their motivations are to stop global warming, but that's a little bit more interesting. Like that's, you know, if, if there's future scientists that are trying to stop global warming, even if that means ending, you know, human civilization, that's kind of much more interesting compared to Kenneth Branagh just having cancer and being upset about that. So I kind of wish they explored that a little bit more, or at least kind of gave a little bit more discussion that how the future works and why they're motivated as opposed to Kenneth Branagh's Fitbit and so yeah. much yacht. There is so much of this film that takes place on a yacht. It's all the budget of this movie went to yachts. I, I can't blame him. Honestly. <laughs> like, yeah, no, that, that boat was, was hella cool. I, I secretly love yachts and that like falls into a top 10 for me. That thing was cool, but so much of the movie takes place on that thing. Yeah, and like they don't they don't really give you a whole lot to like care about the relationship between Kat and Sater. It's just kind of like Mm-mm. she has a kid, like I guess they have a kid together. He kept the kid from her and she wants it back. She doesn't love the husband, but like has to pretend to love him, I guess to see the kid. I don't I don't know. It Yeah. Yeah. That that whole part falls short, and I, I guess part of it is is the intention to show that he's a bad guy because he's willing to terrorize and uh, beat the shit out of his spouse, and obviously mentally and physically abuse her. So that that lands at least kind of there. Uh, but the whole blackmailing her because she sold him a forged painting felt very one note. It felt very like he's not a good villain. He only has this one thing, and if that falls apart, then she could be free. Even though that painting was important to the film in some way, that whole portion kind of fell for me as well. 
But yeah, their whole love interest and really kind of them as characters, while necessary to the plot, because obviously he's the villain, also we kind of wish the film didn't deal with them as much as we did. Yeah. Yeah, I think it it could have gotten an A plus if it either had a stronger, like more motivated villain or if they just like kind of ignored that aspect of it a little bit more because yeah, he he just didn't land for me as much as he should have. Um I I gotta say though, I think my favorite part of the movie was I have no idea how I didn't realize this, like watching it through the first time, but like realizing that she like she cat actually was the woman that she saw diving off of the boat in the yeah. like, beginning of the movie i was like okay yeah i fuck with that like that's dope yeah sort of yeah we're kind of told briefly that you shouldn't interact with your going forward itself if you're going backwards they interact with themselves kind of a lot in this film like that seems to be something that they brought up that has major consequences that doesn't have a whole lot of consequences yeah, is it like uh, the crossing the streams thing in Ghostbusters where it's like, we're going to say that, yeah, but like, then like, we're just going to do it? <laughs> yeah. Like, at one point, it's like the, the, the big car chase that that's shown in the trailer, and I think a lot of people are going to talk about it for a long time because Nolan loves himself a good car chase. Like, John David Washington going forward is basically making eye contact with John David Washington going backwards. And we're told, like, two minutes right before that, like do not interact or really even look at your other self in the other timeline. And yet they still do it and there's zero consequences to it. So there are a lot of rules that are set up that are not followed, which does contribute a lot to, I I think the confusion because there are rules to this game that are explained to us, but are never fully followed. Yeah. And I don't, I know like she, the lady who was explaining to John David Washington, like the rules of being inverted or whatever it was like, uh, oh yeah like, you can't let your like particles interact so i don't know if you have to like <laughs> like what do you have to do to make your particles interact because like they literally like he literally fights his old self like, yeah is in a full-out <laughs> fist bite down hallways at one point in time might have actually shot his forward self because he shoots like six bullets into that class so if that's not particle interacting i don't know what is yeah, and he like he definitely stabs his forward self because like his arm started oh, yeah. bleeding like on the uh, the ship or whatever. And I again I was like, how did I not know that that was like that's because he stabbed himself earlier in the movie? But <laughs> I definitely should have seen that shit coming. And like watching it the second time, I was like, I don't know how I didn't. Like it's all right there. <laughs> yeah, um, it definitely hit me the second that they said they're going back to the airport to use that turnstile i was like okay so that's who he he fought himself i don't understand how he slipped through that garage door at one point in time but that's also just more mechanics but yeah that whole that whole fight sequence is cool and if you get a chance uh there's a a couple of um behind the scenes and, and, and sort of interviews and stuff about the fight choreography a lot of the fight choreography like they actually learned to fight in reverse um so on top of like the practical effects that you see in camera like there's so much physical acting in this film and like learning how to essentially throw a punch by pulling it seems like so much work and the fact that they pulled it off is pretty incredible 
I'm gonna have to check that out because yeah, I was definitely like watching that scene both times, just being like, "How the fuck did they film this?" Yeah. Um. So obviously, cinematographer, the man behind the camera and at the helm of this movie is Nolan's go-to guy now, Hoyt Van Hoytman, um, who you would know from pretty much anything Nolan's done since uh, I believe his first one with him was Inception. Um. Yeah, he does almost everything practical effects. There's very little to almost no green screen. Obviously, there is a little bit, but this whole movie is essentially all practical effects, um, which is incredible. Um, really did crash that 747 into a hangar. Um, that shit was but, awesome. Yeah. <laughs> That that whole sequence and like the guy just like throwing the gold bars off. That whole sequence was so cool. Even though it was going in slow motion, just watching it happen, I was like, oh, this is this or not slow motion. It was not going like kind of like at a normal fast speed that you expect in an action film. Like it's just going at a normal speed a plane would. Just watching it collide. Yeah, it wasn't your like Mission Impossible. Like the shit is zooming into the fucking uh, Freeport or whatever. But like it. Like, watching it happen, it was just like, this is so dope. <laughs> yeah, that whole sequence. And the fact that we basically get it twice in the movie, definitely worth it. Um, sidebar, I was is... very Good. wrong. Um, the His first, uh, Hoyt's first film with Nolan was actually Interstellar. Big sorry, kids. Um, yeah, keep going. But my favorite, like, set piece that they did was, like, the, the weird, like, big truck heist that they did where John David Washington yeah. like f- like floats over to the the van like on a fucking like fire truck ladder and then like yeah. goes back and then goes back over the truck again and like steals the yeah uh, and really does it like Tom Cruise's himself really did that whole action sequence um, that, that makes it even better because I was watching this shit and like they've got the the Travis Scott song that they put out for this movie for whatever reason. Mm-hmm. They've got that playing in the background and like Honestly the best time to drop it. So dope. <laughs> um yeah. That that whole scene gave me like heavy flashbacks to Dark Knight. Um when Joker's in the eighteen wheeler and they're chasing down the convoy. Like it gave me those heavy vibes, but in a good way. Like it wasn't like I'm just reusing old work. Obviously, Nolan loves himself a good chase scene, um, and this one pays off in spades. Um, Except for some reason that there's a cop car that just shows up for no consequence. No one knows what it means, but it's provocative. (laughs) Gets the people going. Um, That basically sums up this whole movie. (laughs) Yeah, that basically is. Um, I'm so excited for it to come out because I'm going to be one of those people that probably will try to watch it backwards, even though it doesn't need to be watched backwards. Um, Moving on. The final fight sequence made zero sense to me. And it's not because it doesn't make sense, but you basically have to understand the whole movie, the last 10 minutes. And if you don't, everything that you're watching is just, it's a bonkers, like it's a Call of Duty battle. There's, thousands of people just running around in explosions and you're supposed to understand but you don't and um our boy from godzilla i forgot what his name is and i'm typing it in because i'm terrible at research 
what is his name? The Aaron Taylor Johnson. This movie in a pandemic. That's- <laughs> yeah. Aaron Taylor Johnson, who you would know from uh, the Brian Cranston Godzilla, uh, f- f- shows up in a great beard. Great beard. Also, uh, kick ass. Yeah, he is kick ass. Uh, shows up as, for some reason, a military officer that knows about this reverse time thing. Um, tries to explain the last ten minutes to us before it happens, and it still goes over my head. Like I, I don't, I don't understand how Robert Pattinson got into that tunnel thing or how he died. I don't, I don't understand why they were dropping the algorithm in like that metal canister in a hole. It was so much happens that last 10 minutes that I think is like the central thesis of the film. And it completely went over my head. I've watched so many videos and like read so many like doctoral level theses explaining that last scene. And I'm still at a loss on it. So the part that lost me was like how like the bomb like actually worked or whatever. Like that part, I have no fucking clue as far as like the, the temporal pincer or whatever, like I, it's the prestige thing where like, like in the prestige, like the, the whole movie is like teaching you how a magic trick works. And then like also like displaying like the, the parts of a magic trick throughout the whole like two hours or whatever. And that's what Mm -hmm. they're doing in this movie. Like they explain to you what a temporal pincer is like on like three different levels, like multiple times. Yeah. And, like, the whole movie, it's revealed, has been one big temporal pincer. Yeah. So, like, that part, like, generally, conceptually, like, I understand, like, some people, like, people go forward through it in time, and then, like, in the future, people go backwards through it, and they, like, know what the people who went forward through it, like, saw, and they react to it and change what they did and blah, blah, blah. Cool. But, like, the... Like the bomb itself, and like what they were actually trying to do, I have no fucking clue. (laughs) No idea. Because they they blow the thing, like they blow the place up, but like Mm -hmm. apparently they didn't blow it up in the way that like ends the world. They blew it up in a different kind of way. Yeah, I I don't know. So (laughs) the fact that so you're right, like this this film is basically one temporal piercer or pincer, and they do explain it to you a couple of times and it still goes over my head. And I think it's just because, you know, I've gone 30 years of my life without thinking about what happens if I just move backwards. Um, so maybe <laughs> one day I'll figure it out, but this is not that day. Um, but yeah, for it to be a giant, you know, pincer is, is really cool. And one thing that went over my head is that during that entire battle sequence matches up with the timeline of the first sequence, which actually we should have started talking about because that entire opera sequence is hella cool. Um, those are happening at the same time. So at one point in time, Robert Pattinson's character is in like three different places at once, which like I, I cannot grapple with because that kind of breaks the rules of this game or maybe it doesn't. And I just don't understand it. Okay, that yeah, I that, did not that, know. Yeah. So we'll go backwards. So the opening of this movie is is super cool. Like it's right on par with how Inception opens and in that it basically just opens by punching you and giving you like a cool action sequence in that John David Washington is part of like a covert CIA team that's going to stop a terrorist plot in a Ukrainian opera house. 
and the whole thing kind of plays out like how a normal action film was like it, it's very at home with like a mission impossible or like a james bond um sort of film in which there there are you know fighting there's some gunshots there's your typical nondescript terrorists um but at one point in time robert power our uh, john david washington's character is supposed to be shot but the bullet goes backwards and into a gun and that's kind of our first introduction into uh bullets that are you know inverted and apparently that that bullet that was shot at John David Washington that went backwards was Robert Pattinson saving him. But at that exact same time, Robert Pattinson's also saving him in the giant battle at the end of the film. But he's also saving him by going forward at that giant battle. So at some point in time, and like people have mapped this out, but there are three different Robert Pattinsons in the movie at the exact same time. Okay, that whole so sequence I knew- just- blows my mind the second time that i watched it i knew that that was robert pattinson at the opening of it because like the first time i saw it i showed up a little late and like i got there like as he was like getting his teeth pulled out or whatever uh yeah at on the train tracks or whatever so i missed like the opera sequence the first time that i saw this movie but the second time i saw it and like i saw uh robert patton robert pattinson's character had like the same little like dangly thing on his backpack yeah let you know that was him it's like i knew that was robert pattinson at the opera house but i had no idea that that like opera house sequence happened simultaneously with the last sequence that part i did not know yeah so our boy michael kane robert robert uh christopher nolan's most favorite person to use in all of his film basically explains at one point in time that during the operation in which john david washington's character died there was an explosion up in Russia, which is actually the oh. giant battle that happened. So, yeah, which actually also means John David Washington existed at two times in two different places. So there's a lot of like time displacement that happens in this movie that is very hard to grapple with, too. Yeah, like like I was telling you before we started recording, like there's so many like like I understand the general like idea of the movie, right? Like. The whole, mm-hmm. like, it's a big temporal pincer thing. Um, like, all of that. Like, I understand conceptually. And then, like, you asked me the implications of it and, like, how to explain those. I got nothing for you. <laughs> Absolutely nothing. Um, I'm kind of cool on plot points. I think we, we, we kind of covered the major thing. I think the whole bungee cord sequence was cool. Definitely. Um, yeah, that was just launching yourself up. Um, and then just kind of and falling backwards that and blending in like into a crowd. The first like twenty minutes of the yeah. movie, like a we lot of basically, the trailer happened in the first few minutes. Yeah, pretty much. We basically meet Robert Padson, and then two minutes later, they're bungee jumping together or bungee upping, whatever the reverse of jumping down is. Um, but yeah, that that I mean, all the action sequences in this mil- this film are so cool. Like probably probably the best action I've seen since inception. And there's a lot like of action sequence in this movie that pull from Nolan's past work. Like the whole John David Washington fighting himself and both forwards and reverse kind of has the same feel as, um, inception when the room is spinning. Um, obviously the car chase, Nolan loves himself a good car chase. Um, but these are all kind of like homages that he's paying to himself in such a good way. Like this definitely feels like a big kind of culmination event for him. Um, and it pays off in spades, at at least just visually, like there's not 
anything in this movie that isn't beautiful. The color palette is amazing. Um, the camera work is amazing. The fact that it's all practical effects is amazing. But like you said, if somebody just like put a gun to my head and was like, hey, explain this movie to me, I, I really can't. There's so much that happens. And while I can talk to you about like really cool scenes, I cannot tell you what the central thesis is because there's so much implication that I don't understand. Yeah, and it's like, it's like the line that they put in like the beginning of this movie. Like, don't don't understand it, just feel it. Like, just watch the movie yeah, and just, just be like, feel it. That shit was dope. Like, you you watch it and you're like, oh shit, he's going backwards and forwards, and you know, yeah. you set up the whole operation. Like, that shit is just cool. Don't you know? You don't have to understand what it means. <laughs> you don't have to understand like how it works. Where he's like in multiple places at one time, like in the future and in the past and in the present, and you know that he's like. I guess like teleports all over the world, like shooting people who are like uh, threatening cat for whatever reason. <laughs> yeah, just it, it doesn't matter. Just sit just in the vibe, man. Just sit in the vibe. You can't think about it. <laughs> um, so kind of the last thing to talk about is is kind of how this film ends, and that it's revealed that uh, John David Washington founded Tenet which is the secret organization that he's been working for this entire time and been secretly calling the shots. And it's also set up uh, where Robert Pattinson was recruited by him. And even though we're kind of led to believe through this whole time that Robert Pattinson, you know, is, has been like a field agent for this thing for a long time, if not maybe even like a little bit in charge, is actually an underling of John David Washington. And he, he has this one throwaway line, and actually it really isn't a throwaway, like it is, it is kind of a big where he says, we got into some stuff together or some hijinks. I kind of secretly hope that's Nolan kind of like hinting he might drop a sequel or something, because I think, I think the idea that this, this threat of inverted stuff is so big that a whole organization need to be built, including like a secret army, I kind of want a sequel coming out. And it, it, it doesn't have to be as complex, even though I'm asking Nolan to not be complex, but I know it's not a sequel nod, but I kind of hope there is. Yeah, I really want him to do a sequel to this movie, just because, like, the, the stuff that they do, like, I just want to see that shit. Like, oh, for sure. clearly there's so much more, like, that they get into, um, even beyond, like, some of the like the weird like time travel stuff like just for this one mission like obviously if you find like an organization like Tenet you're gonna be doing yeah. some other like weird shit with time travel I want to see it so yeah obviously there's some sort of other threats going on to this world in involving inverted materials that a whole organization needs to be built outside of this one you know very complex mission I want to see it Make make it a ten part Netflix series. I don't care. Like I think there's so much to this universe that has yet to be explored, and I kind of hope they do it. They could definitely do an anthology series on this. Oh, one hundred percent. I would. To- I would watch the shit out of that. Which, of course, I had this exact same conversation when Inception came out, where I was like, "Give me more. How does this technology work? Who founded it?" And of course, you know, nothing came out after Inception. It just sits there and. I mean, rightfully so. We're still talking about that movie like 10 years later as we will be talking about this in 10 years, still trying to understand it. Um, yeah. any, any closing thoughts or other scenes that we didn't go through? Um, hmm. Nah, man. Like, just everything. <laughs> I just really enjoyed everything about this movie. Like, I don't know if it's because, like, I was 
so thirsty and desperate to like see new movies again or what it was like but i i just really like thoroughly enjoyed this movie this wasn't the first new movie that i had seen in theater since they reopened because i did go see new mutants i'm one of the like seven people who have seen new strongly mutants. okay yeah the most okay movie of all time <laughs> um but yeah like just seeing this i was like this is why i fucking love going to the movies like it was a lot of fun. It gave me a lot to think about, and like I will still be thinking about it for years to come. Like, and you, if you made it this far and you haven't seen this movie already, go see this movie, or wait till it comes out at home and watch that movie then. Yeah, please, Warner Brothers, distribute this like ASAP. I I suspect this will probably come out just home streaming by like holidays, but that doesn't feel soon enough. Like I need it tonight. Um. Yeah, this was the first movie I've seen in theaters since Emma, which was back in March. So that that's definitely just scratched that need. And I think I think the bet that Warner Brothers made here and in, in, in hoping that this would kind of help energize and reopen theaters, I think it was a bad bet. And I don't think it's going to fully pay off for them. Tenet's probably going to break even and will churn some sort of profit. It'll probably churn its profit back when it gets to home streaming. That being said, I'm extremely grateful for them because like going, even though it was a drive-in, like seeing new content, not at my house gave me life like that. That gave me one month of like, I don't feel trapped anymore. Yeah. Um, just experiencing a theater, like just new content, not on my TV. Um, cool. Yeah. I think we, we've covered a lot, even though it's, hella impossible to talk about this film and much smarter people than us probably can teach you a little bit better but this has been kind of a mini episode Dex what are we doing hashtag support Florence Pugh baby she out here she's making questionable meals she made a, a weird pasta sauce but that's okay we're all making weird pasta she sauces she was doing so great at the beginning of quarantine <laughs> with her cooking and stuff and like I guess she just hit that wall. She's falling apart. She hit that, that wall. That pasta was tragic. Yeah, it looked it looked deeply concerning. But you know what? We we've all we've all made some weird food choices during this pandemic. But we're still supporting her. Uh, yeah, I think we out.